Got to get it in. Dustin Smith. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! He got it! And for the first time this season, the Rockets are going to win a road game as they defeat the defending NBA champions tonight here in Denver by a final score of 114 to 106. Denver's first loss at home this season. The Rockets ending a 10-game losing streak here in Denver. And the Rockets also win this season series from the Nuggets three games to one. We are here to feel the Rockets news. It's the Rockets Field Podcast, and I'm your co-host, LaShar Binkley. Of course, you always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. Or you can find my written work over at SB Nation or the Dream Shake. And before we get into yesterday's uh, great road win for the Houston Rockets, I want to give my co-host a chance to introduce himself. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Vader. You can find me on uh, X app, formerly known as Twitter, uh, at Vader Sports, and also on um, Instagram, uh, Vader Sports as well. Uh, so let's let's hop right into it. This is uh this is exciting. We just beat two of the best teams in the Western Conference with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and the Denver Nuggets. So a lot to discuss. Absolutely. So today we want to break down, of course, that game that Vader was just talking about. The Rockets actually we didn't talk about the last two games. Rockets beating OKC at home and beating the Denver Nuggets last night, getting their first road win of the season and giving Denver their first home loss of the season. And not only their first home loss, but this is actually the first time ever that Denver has lost to a Western Conference team at home when they've had Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Aaron Gordon on the court together. So, I mean, that's something big right there. Um, but we're also going to be discussing how Alperen Shangoon, I think, actually outplayed Nikola Jokic last night. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, also Amin Thompson being called up by the Rockets, how he's going to fit into the rotation with Aaron Holiday playing so well. So that would be interesting. Um, and then towards the end of the show, we're going to give a preview of the Rockets and Spurs. And if the Rockets can give the Spurs a 17 straight loss on Monday, to me, the biggest game of the year, because you don't want to lose to the Spurs and let them end that losing streak. You actually want to give them that 17 straight loss, which will be, which will actually tie a franchise record. That would be pretty awesome if the Rockets can do that on Monday. But of course, let's start off with that Denver Nuggets game last night. So Rockets will defeat the Denver Nuggets 114 to 106. Uh, it got kind of scary there in the fourth quarter. The Rockets were up 25 points. They could not make a basket to save their life. I think they went the last eight minutes without scoring uh, a single field goal. The only thing they were able to get was um, free throws, and they were having a hard time even making free throws. So it got scary there for a little bit. But, Vader, but what did you see from last night's game? And even if you want to go back to the Oklahoma City game, what have you seen in the last two games? Uh, from the Houston Rockets after they had that three-game losing streak, and now they won two straight games. Two straight games against teams that were fully healthy. I know that's something that people have been saying, oh, yeah, ah, the Rockets were lucky. They played the Lakers without AD. They played Denver without Jamal Murray. They played this team without this you know, superstar or whatever. But the last two games, they've been playing teams that have been fully healthy. First of all, um, I want to say defense travels. Uh, yeah. like if you've been a fan of basketball for any uh period of time, you know, like one thing you can always hang your hat on is uh defense. Like defense is not something that relies on, you know, uh, you making shots. It's not something that relies on you, uh, you know, having a, you know, hot shooting and, you know, you know, like we didn't turn the ball over and all this kind of, 
like defense is something that you can do game in and game out because a lot of it is effort. A lot of it is knowing what you're supposed to be doing, knowing your assignments, sticking to the game plan. And one thing that that obviously Emi Adoka has brought to this team is a defensive identity. And, uh, you know, I, I love it. It's it's, it's refreshing. Um, in a way, when I watch these games, I, it, it's kind of weird because sometimes I'm watching these games and we lost a lot the past few years. And so, you know, we kind of like found like small victories in the game even because yeah. we knew we were going to lose. So I'm like, well, at least Jalen Green got 40 points, right? Or at least Alfred Shingun had a, you know, 30 point triple double or, you know, whatever it may be that, that, that you were able to take out of the, out of that game, even though you lost the game. And now we're not doing that. Like now yeah. we are going into the game and, and sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes it's not as, it's not fun to watch in a, in a, in a sense because, um, you know, grinding out wins is, is, is not exciting basketball, but you know what, it, what is exciting? Winning. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a couple teams, you know, that were in the same position that we were in, uh, going into this season who are on a 19 game losing streak and a 16 game <laughs> losing streak. You know, yeah. these are teams that had similar records to what we had, uh, last season and we're, and we're drafting, you know, in, you know, in the top half of the draft, just like the Houston Rockets. And the difference is uh, the Houston Rockets have been able to establish a defensive identity uh, while, you know, the Detroit, I'm going to say their names, the Detroit Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs, you know, they have not. And, you know, those guys have, you know, guys on their team who, you know, have who had already been crowned as like the future of the NBA type of guys like Kay Cunningham and, and Victor Wimbenyama. And, and, you know, those guys may still, you know, reach those heights or whatever. But, you know, I just want a victory lap a little bit. I know it's early in the season, only 10 and 9, but, you know, I heard, you know, I had been hearing that Alfred Shingun, uh, you couldn't win with him because yeah. he can't play defense. I had been hearing that Jalen Green wasn't a winning basketball player because he had low basketball IQ. And, you know, yeah, it's still a work in progress, but I think you see the difference structure makes, the difference coaching makes, the difference having um, veterans like like Fred Van Bleed and Dylan Brooks, who are flawed players themselves. But like, you know, it, you got to crack a few eggs to, to make a cake. Right. And so like <laughs> yeah. all, the, all of these pieces together are like they're really cooking up something. And, and I like what we're doing. You saw Afrin Shingun go out in two games in a row, go up against guys who people, you know, that I see on Twitter saying, oh, Shea Holmgren is, is, is head and shoulders above Shingun. Yeah. Um, and then we know we know the player uh, Nikola Jokic is he's a two time MVP. You know, you can make an argument that he could have won the MVP last year over Joel Embiid. And what, what did Alperen Shingun go out and do? The last two games. Um, I'll play both of them. He yeah. completely dominated Chet Holmgren to the point where they had to take dude out. And also <laughs> to the point, like, when he was in the game, they had to send him help. And this yep. is a guy who is a defensive player, right? He's not like, you know, he's an all-around player, but, like, he's really, like, he really sticks out to me as, as a guy who's going to block shots and who's going to be able to D you up. And Alperen Shingun absolutely torched, torched this man. You know, every single time, you know, Chet was on him, you know, Shingun looked like he did whatever he wanted to do. And then you saw um, Shingun go out against uh, Jokic, who is arguably, maybe not even, maybe it's not even an argument. He's the best player in the NBA, right? He is. And Shingun, um, not only did he hold his own, but through three quarters, he clearly outplayed um, Nikola Jokic. Uh, Nikola Jokic got, you know, he got his in the fourth uh, when they made that run. But um, I think Shingun is here, and I and I want to say like 
if he doesn't make the all-star game this year, like if he keeps playing at the level that he's playing right now and continuous, you know, continuously um, elevates this team. Um, I think him not making the all-star game would be kind of a travesty because like he's the best player on a team who, you know, like we've been the worst team in the league for the past three years and he's the best player on his team. And I, uh, I love to see it. So, those are just my my first initial takeaways. There's a lot more, but I want I don't want to like hog the mic. I'm gonna let you talk. But um, yeah. Operation Goon, man, like just just starting off, um, him going up against Chet Holmgren and going up against um, Nikola Jokic. Like if you would have if you would have told me that he would have played against those two guys and 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 won both those matchups last year, you know, I'm taking that. I'm taking that. And and I think that we're here. Operation Goon is here. Yeah. yeah. I mean. If people didn't realize that before, I think they realize now. I mean, especially last night. I mean, yeah, I understand Nicole Jokic also had a bad shooting game the night before, so maybe he's just struggling from the field, like having one of those kind of spurts that some, uh, you know, the great players all have where they have four or five bad games. But it wasn't just that he was struggling offensively. It's like he couldn't guard Shane Goon on the other end. There were several times where Shane Goon just blew by him like he wasn't even on the court. And got and ones against Nikola Jokic, and it was to the point where any other player they probably would have sent a double team, but because it's Jokic, they probably felt like, well, we'll try to see if he can play in one on one. And he couldn't, he cannot guard Alperen Sengun one on one. I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point. And even though Jokic had a strong fourth quarter for the first three quarters, he was horrible. I mean, I mean, if if, if it was any other player, let's be honest, he wouldn't even been playing the fourth quarter. Um, just like Aaron Gordon didn't even play the fourth quarter for him because he was having I, – I don't know what it is about the Rockets, but he struggles every single game against the Rockets. He didn't even play the fourth quarter. But Alperen Shangun not only doing it on the offensive end, but he's doing it on the defensive end. The Rockets aren't sending help with him and Jokic. He's playing Jokic straight up one-on-one. That's something M.A. does not do. He does not like to send double teams unless it's just absolutely necessary. But every single game they play Denver this season – Alperen Sengun has been playing a one-on-one. Now, other games, uh, Jokic had 30 and 15 or something like that. But, I mean, you're not going to necessarily stop Jokic. You just have to make him work hard on the other end. Hey, let's start. Let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. We, played the, we played the Nuggets four times, right, in like yeah. the past 30 days, maybe 26 days, something like that. We beat them. The defending champs, best team in the NBA. We yeah. beat them three out of four times. So, like, technically, in, in my opinion, I feel like we've won a uh, – that's a playoff series, right? Yeah. We, we we beat them three to one. So technically, like we should get something out of that. Like we beat them <laughs> champs, you know, three to one. Yeah. It's it's yeah. practically a playoff series. Like I hey, I'm leaving here with something. I'm leaving here with something. But let's be honest, so if not even, you know, no joke, the Rockets really do match up well with Denver. Because if you look at it, of course they have, you know, Jokic, but Shangun makes Jokic work on the other end. And then, yes, they have Jamal Murray, but now the Rockets have, you know, Fred Van Vliet, who's basically, I mean, the same type of player. And then they have nobody that can guard Jalen Green. Um, Aaron Gordon always struggles against the Rockets. It's not just this game. He's struggling against the Rockets all season in the game that he actually did play. And then Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Michael Porter Jr. Every time they see Michael Porter Jr. on the court, they're going to make sure they set a pick so – that man, uh, so one of their guards can actually isolate him. It's like barbecue chicken every time Michael Porter Jr. is on the court. And the Rockets match up really well against Denver. Not to say that I'm just going to guarantee that they'll beat them in a playoff series, but I wouldn't be shocked <laughs> either because they, 
It's just some teams you match up better against than you do others. And I don't think Denver would want to see the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. Let's just be honest. Yeah, and like you said, like the fact that they they know where their matchups are. Like you saw yeah. like several times in the game yesterday, and, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because like Jalen Green, like Jalen Green has been getting a lot of flack <laughs> within the fan base. Yeah. Like I, I made a post, <clears throat> I made a post on Twitter a few days ago, and I'm like, the way like our fan base is talking about Jalen Green, I would have thought he was averaging like 11 points a game, right? <laughs> oh, and so, yeah, like, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, and when so when you go and you actually look, like I'm gonna look right now. Like he's averaging 19.1 points per game, 4.6 yeah. rebounds, three assists, 3.1 assists, and his you know his true shooting percentage is 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 higher than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, and and his his three years that he's been in the NBA, he's not playing bad. I think that the expectations that us fans have for him have kind of skewed the way we look at him, right? So. Like you want him to already be Devin Booker. You want him to yeah. already be Anthony Edwards. And he's not yeah. there yet. Like granted, like he's not there yet. He's not consistent. Um, there are times where you could tell that he's out there and he's thinking too much. He doesn't know uh when to pass and when to shoot, when to attack, when to be, you know, when to take a back seat. And those are things that he's he's going to learn as the season progresses. Um, you know, I, I feel like he could play better, honestly, but like when you look at the stats. He is not. He's not playing bad. And then, like the the last seven games, um, I pulled up because um, somebody had posted. But like, he's averaging twenty one points a game on fifty eight percent true shooting, over fifty eight percent true shooting percentage. Yeah. And then, like, he has the rebounds. His rebounding is clearly improved. Um, he has the assist there. Uh, his defense has clearly improved. Yeah, he makes mistakes. It's not perfect. It's a work in progress. But you cannot uh, look me in the eye and tell me that his defense has not uh, gotten better than it was the, pre- the previous two seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Houston Rockets, I think, have the fourth uh, best rated defense in the NBA. And this is with a guy in the starting lineup and in, in, in Alperen Shingoon and, and Jalen Green, who, you know, by all accounts were considered bad defenders coming into this season. So yeah. which one is it, right? Uh, you know, Alperen Shingun can't play defense. Jalen Green can't play defense. Neither of these guys are winning winning basketball players on a good team. Uh, the Rockets have the fourth best defense in the entire NBA, and these guys are playing a lion's share of your minutes. So, like, they're doing something. And 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 so we once again we come back to the coaching. We have to give them props. Like, I I love what Ma is doing. I love what um, Sullivan is doing, and and Ivy and some of the other guys who you know you know, don't get as much fanfare, but like, you know, the Rockets are building something and um, we haven't even seen Amon Thompson yet. Yeah. It's something we're going to talk about definitely later on with the Rockets for calling them, but kind of following up on Jalen Green. Yeah. Same thing. I posted something about him. I, wrote, I actually wrote an article a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about his year three jump may take a little longer than most people wanted it. Because if you look at his first couple of seasons, and I think it has a lot to do with Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards had the huge jump in year three, so everybody's expecting Jalen Green to be exactly. They're two different type of players in two different types of situations. The Rockets have been so bad his previous two seasons, it's hard to like judge him as a regular player because Anthony Edwards didn't have to deal with the type of losing that Jalen Green had to deal with. He was on teams where there was no structure. There was no really no plan in place. It was just basically a free-for-all kind of, hey, you go out there, you do this and do that. I guarantee if M.A. had been here or if the Rockets, let's just say, say if the Rockets were trying to win, 
the past two seasons, like they are this season, have veterans in the uh, past two seasons, I guarantee Jalen Green will be a lot further along than he, he is right now. And like you say, it's not even like he's playing bad. He's actually been, if you look at it, outside of Alper and Shangoon, he's been the Rockets' best offensive player. Um, it's just that people expect him to be averaging 25 points a game on 50% exactly. shooting. And that's just, that's not realistic when you've looked at where he's come from. And on top of that, he didn't play in the college ball. He only played one year in the G League. And guess what? For the G League at night, who had no structure, had no plan in place. It was just kind of a free-for-all. So this is really the first year that he's playing with a team that's actually playing for something, has some type of structure in place, and has the head coach that's going to hold him accountable. Because you mentioned um, you mentioned M.A., and <laughs> that's one thing I've noticed by going out to these games and talking to him during his press conference. He is like no-nonsense type of person. Like, he takes nothing from anybody. I guarantee he's holding these players accountable in practice. You can hear him yelling at people and getting people in the right spots. Even when you joke with him in these press conferences, he doesn't, he barely ever even cracks a smile. So I can imagine that's exactly how he is with, especially the young guys like Jalen, like Jabari, like Alperin. You can see it even during timeouts and during dead balls, he's constantly talking to Jalen Green on the sideline. And even when they do something well, like you'll say, hey, Alperin Shangun had a 30 point game. Yeah, but he did miss a couple of assignments or Jalen. He had eight assists. Yeah, but he had three turnovers. So he's constantly on these players, and that's exactly what they needed uh, coming and, into the season. And, and you see, like, when you're watching the telecast, he's always in Jalen's ear. Like, yeah. I see Jalen walk up to him. He'll call Jalen over, and he'll be, like, they'll be, you know, it's not like it's, you know, he's not yelling at him or anything. Yeah. He's coaching him. And he's, like, going over, like, things with Jalen. He's teaching Jalen. He's getting Jalen to think. You know, and, and that's Jalen has all the talent in the world. And I think that's another thing that kind of has has been a blessing and a curse for him. He probably didn't need to have the best handle. He probably didn't nope. need to be the best passer. You know, he didn't need to rebound. He didn't need to do all these other little, you know, little nuanced things that some of the other guys had to do in order to stay on the basketball court because he was so physically gifted. He was able to blow by guys uh, without having a counter move because he was so fast and so explosive. And so now he gets to the NBA and he's having to figure out these things. And I think that he's been doing that. But then also like his basketball IQ, um, he just never really had to develop that because things were so easy for him, you know. But, you know, you that's that's where the coaching is coming into play now. And uh, like I've seen some of the interviews that you've done and I've, I've seen him say things like, you know, Jalen Green needs to, um, you know, no matter who's on the court, on, yeah. on the court with him. He needs to, uh, you know, be himself and, and do the things that he needs to do. Like, it doesn't matter. He, he shouldn't take a backseat to anybody. I think that's what, is, what he said. And right. then I saw another interview, you know, a few weeks ago where he was just basically saying that um, Jalen Green needs to stop thinking. He needs to, like, find, he, you know, he when it's time to score, he needs to score. When it's time to pass, you know, stop, stop overthinking it. Like, yeah. play basketball. And so, like, the coach, you know, the coach sees it. The coach sees uh Okay, he's he's trying not to be a ball hog. He's trying not to be a chucker. Because just imagine, LaShar, imagine, you know, Jalen Green comes in. We have a new coach who's putting all this stuff in place. And um, he just is like, I'm going to get my 22 shots up no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Then what, what would the fan base be saying then? Oh, he's a shot chucker. He yeah. doesn't want to play organized basketball. He, You know, a lot of the same things that <laughs> – some of the same stuff that we're saying about, like, Cam Whitmore, whether that's, you know, justifiable or unjustifiable, <laughs> you know, like, he, uh, you know, whatever. But, like, 
people would be saying about saying that about Jalen Green right now, uh, because he would just be like, okay, I'm gonna get mine, you know, outside outside of like, you know, whatever else is going on, you know, whatever the play is, I'm just gonna get my shots up. So like he has to just find that balance. And I think as the season progresses, he's going to know when to take over, when to, yeah. when to pick his spots, you know, you know, and, and, and that's just part of learning. That's just part of learning. And he hasn't had to do that before. Cause like last year he got the ball and, and him and, and the other guy that was his backward <laughs> mate, they just kind of alternated like, okay, yeah. it's your turn, bro. All right, you 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 could. I saw. Ooh, that was a good crossover. Step yeah. back, hezzy tween. You you made a shot. You know, now it's my turn. And so this year, you like you see them actually running a lot more plays. They're running a lot more sets. Um, they're sharing the ball a lot more. And I think he's fit into that. But um, moving forward, like you can you can kind of tell as Jalen goes, the team goes. So like when Jalen yeah. has a really good offensive game, and when he's you know has a high scoring game, we tend to win those games. So. He just has to figure out like we 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 need that from you, but we just want you to make the right play. So like if if the right play is for you to cook your man and and to take a shot, then that's what it is. If it's to like you know break down the defense and then find the open man, make a skip pass, or whatever, then do that. And so that's gonna be the evolution of Jalen Green. Hopefully by the end of the season, you know all of this stuff will look silly when we look back at it. Yeah, I mean exactly. So I mean it's just gonna take time. You, you gotta think about. Yeah, he played some off ball earlier in his career, but it's not the same type of off ball he had in the play now because he's with a point guard that's, if anything, Fred Van Vliet is looking to get everybody else involved first before he starts taking his own shot. So now it's just an adjustment for Jalen Green to figure out how to play with a point guard like that because he's never had a point guard like that before. Because like you just said, the person that was here previously, majority of the time he was looking to get his shot first. And then, yeah, if he can't get his shot, then he may pass it. But it's the opposite with, with uh, Van Vliet, where he's looking to try to get everybody else involved. And then, yeah, if he can't find the pass, then he takes a shot. So it's kind of a reverse. It's just going to take time. And I know asking Rockets Twitter or Twitter in general people to be uh, patient is kind of like a waste of time. But, I mean, that's really what it comes down to is, yeah, he's going to have some good games. And he's going to have he's still going to have some bad games. He's going to have some stretches where you're like, what the hell is he doing? But. It's just going to take time for him to get used to playing in a structured offense on a, a team with some actual, with actual game plan in place. Um, I wanted to move on to Amin um, Thompson because that's kind of the other big news that we just found today that the Rockets actually recalled him a day earlier because before inmate uh, was saying that uh, they were planning on having him stay throughout the weekend because the Vipers have another game today um, before the Rockets game on Monday. But I guess they saw enough of what Ahmed was out there doing. Ahmed was out there playing 30, 40 minutes anyway. They figured, well, we might as well get him back here early because the Rockets actually probably going to have a practice tomorrow, so he'll get some time practicing with the team, and then we'll see how much he'll actually play on Monday. I don't know if he's going to be on a minimum restriction. Hopefully we'll find that out before the game or at the practice uh, tomorrow. But the real question is, how does he fit in the rotation? Because when he first got hurt, the, the thought was, yeah, Aaron Holiday will take some of his minutes now, but when he comes back, then Aaron Holiday's going to go back to not playing or be the 10th, 11th man on the roster. But Aaron Holiday has been one of their most consistent shooters, one of their best defenders, and he's been probably the biggest surprise out of anybody on this team this season because nobody really thought anything with Aaron Holiday was a sign. Let's just be honest. It was like, okay, which Holiday is he again? That's what people were trying to figure out. But now he's like a real important part of the team, and I don't see him going back to the bench uh, as far as going back to the bench and not playing. 
I think he's still going to get some playing time. So how does our man fit into the rotation now with how they playing so well? That's what scares me. I need to see Amon on the court, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't, as, I don't, I don't, know. Want, I don't <laughs> want to go as far as to say that I'm willing to like sacrifice a few wins early in the season to get Amon <laughs> on the floor. But I, I kind of feel like in order for this team to, by the end of the season, be a real threat to maybe upset somebody in the first round or to actually like really get into that, that last seed in the playoffs or whatever, I feel like Amon needs to be he needs to be involved because like he does so much. He he can pass, he can rebound, he he should be a good defensive player for you. He had he has positional size, he brings athleticism, you know, he, he's kind of like he's like everything that, you know, and respectfully, he's kinda of like everything that Fred Van Vliet isn't. You know, Fred Van Vliet yeah. Is it brings the shooting and he brings that steady hand and he brings you know a veteran leadership, but he does he's short and he's not you know he's not particularly athletic and he's not you know he's not gonna get you a bunch of rebounds and like the the I guess the the switch up that you can have when you bring Amon Thompson in the game I just think it's valuable and when you even when you look at I know the Pistons have been losing but like I look at what his brother has been doing over you know, in Detroit. And I'm like, if, if Asar can do all of those things in Detroit, like I kind of feel like Amon can do similarly thing, similar things as far as like the, the rebounding and the the defense. And then I feel like also because he is a point guard that he's going to be able to like, um, get, get us out in transition a little bit more, you know, find like Jalen green, you know, going to the basket for some of those lobs and things like that. What do you think? Well, yeah, actually, I want to ask you right quick. So, do we think it's going to be Holiday getting less minutes, or could it be Jay? I don't think it's Holiday. It could be Deshaun Tate losing minutes. They could run a, a rotation, a bench rotation, where Amen and Holiday are playing together, and Holiday's playing more the shooting guard position, and Tate may be the, kind of the odd man out, and maybe even losing, maybe sometimes Tari may even lose some minutes because. Reggie Bullock's not playing anyway, so there's no minutes to take from him. Jack Lundell is not playing, so there's no minutes to take from him. So it's really come down to Tate and Easton. Those are really the only two other players. So I don't think this really affects Jeff Green that much. He's still going to be playing backup center minutes and some power forward minutes. So it really comes down to Tate and Easton. One of them, I think, is going to lose minutes. And I found it curious that that report came out yesterday that people have been calling about Jason Tate. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. – it just seemed like that was a weird leak at, at that time that, hey, yeah. you know, teams have been qu- inquiring about Jason Tate, but they have been hearing that, you know, the Rockets see him, you know, as part of their plan for this season or whatever, however it was worded. But yeah. I just thought that was kind of weird because, you know, with Amon Thompson coming back, like you said, like I think Aaron Holiday has kind of solidified himself as a rotational piece because of his shooting. Like yeah. his shooting, he's shooting like over 43%, I think, from three. Or yeah. at least over forty two percent. Like it's something crazy. It's 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 the best on the team. And then his defense has been very, very good and he's played his role. He hasn't tried to do more than, than is asked of him. And I think he's exceeded expectations. So like you it's it's like you can't take that guy out of the rotation. And yeah. then as much as we love what Jason Tate does and what he brings to the table, like what is what does Jason Tate bring uh other than other than experience, 
what does Jason Tate bring that Amon Thompson can't can't bring as well, right? Because yeah. um, Jason is not really a knockdown shooter. Um, yes, he plays very hard nosed defense. He's you know he's a, he's a good team guy, but like I think Amon Thompson can also once he gets acclimated, I think he he can bring you at least a, a similar level of defense. It might not look exactly the same because they're different yeah. players. They have different you know physiques or whatever. But I think he brings you some some defensive intensity. While he also brings you, I think, more playmaking and more, yeah. you know, more more athleticism. I mean, dude, probably like you could argue he might be the most athletic player on the team on a team that can. And I'm saying something, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. I think Jason Jason Tate might be the guy who probably sees his minutes reduced. I think Tari Eason. Um, I just think Tari Eason brings a. He brings a physicality and a just nose for the ball as far as rebounding and yeah. I don't know. He just does he just does, he does things that leaves you scratching your head and be like, man, what are you doing? But then like the very next play, he does something that like nobody else on the team can do. And so yeah. I, I I just don't think like I I think if it's between Jason Tate and, and Tari Eason, I think it's I think it's Jason Tate that loses minutes to, to Amon Thompson. Yeah, I think uh, unfortunately for Tate, I think I think Jayshon's going to lose his minutes because he, uh, you can tell Ma has a lot of trust in Aaron Holiday at this point. I think that's what it comes down to. We see that Ma is not going to play favors with anybody. If somebody's not playing well, especially the young guys, they're not going to get the crunch time late minutes. Um, not to say that Jabari was playing bad last night. But he had no problem letting Jeff Green finish that game. And I know it was in Denver, and that may have something to do with it. But he's also done it before to where if Jalen Green was having a bad game, he didn't play a lot of late four-quarter minutes. So it's going to come down to whether uh, whether Coach is going to be able to trust Amin Thompson. That's going to really determine how many minutes he gets going forward because, yes, he's a high draft pick, but I don't think M.A. really cares if you're a high draft mm-hmm. pick or not. I think he – He's definitely all about, like in the previous seasons, yes, Silas didn't do a great job, but I can guarantee it was somebody telling Silas, like, hey, you need to develop this player, you need to develop this player, and, you know, the wins, you know, whatever. But now that's a totally different story. It's all about the winning. development. But I'm also thinking from an intangible standpoint, I think think Amin brings more intangibles to the table than – than even like the Jalen Green, he didn't he didn't bring a lot of intangibles. He brought a lot of scoring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jabari last year, uh, Jabari was just that was kind of a lost season until like the the tail end of the season. Yeah. He wasn't really bringing a whole lot, and you know, and and as far as like we thought he was going to be like a guy who's going to come in and immediately be a three point threat and a defensive threat, and he was neither of those things. And then so like if he's not doing that, like what is he doing? But, but what, then, let me ask you something real quick. But what do you think Ahmed needs to do? One thing specific he needs to do to be able to get consistent playing time. Because we know he needs to work on his shooting. We understand that. He's not going to go out there and average 20 points a game. That's just not the type of player. What's one specific, specific thing you think he needs to do to be able to, yeah, inmates like, okay, yeah, I'm going to give you 15 to 20 minutes every single night. So here's the thing. This is, this is how he beats out Jason Tate in my mind. I'm glad you asked that. He has to show that he can defend at least similarly to Jason Tate, maybe not yeah. better, because I think Jason Tate just has a – Jason Tate is a really good defensive player, so I don't want to slight him at all. Yeah. But I think he has to be, like, maybe not better, but close to what Jason Tate brings you defensively um, and from an instinctual uh, standpoint. And, like, 
we know he can get you stocks, the steals, the blocks, all that kind of stuff. So I think he needs to he needs to be that. He needs to focus on that. And then I think on the other end of the floor, he needs to that handle has to the handle has to get better, man. Like the yep, handle, don't like turn, he, don't turn the ball over. Exactly. He he yep. can't be like a guy that's going out there and turning the ball over. So and these are things that we these are things that we kind of expected from him like coming coming in like i yeah. i want to see him be able to bring the ball up the court and at least initiate the offense maybe not be you know an all-star version of Amon thompson right away because he still has a lot to work on but can you bring the ball up the court without turning it over and get us in our set <laughs> yeah. and, and and you know not stagnate the offense because i think he's shown a willingness to shoot he's shown you know he he can make all the passes it's just a matter of the turnovers so, like, defense and keeping the turnovers down, I think he gets on the court. Yeah, and something interesting that um, M.A. Yudoka said earlier in the season when Almond was playing, it's like he feels he can play multiple positions. So even if, let's say, for some reason uh, he's not playing as many minutes as a point guard, I think he could be running sometime as a small forward or running even at the, a shooting guard position. I don't think it, it's not really going to be – I think he's kind of positionless as far as what M.A. is going to want from him, at least for now, um, coming off the bench, because I think they're going to find a way to get him some minutes because, like you said, he does have a lot of stuff that you're not going to find from Jay Shante. You're not going to find Jay Shante. Well, he will try to bring the ball up, but it doesn't always end too well when he's trying to force he the action on fast runs. He doesn't have the court vision that Amon has. Like exactly. he, he, he can dribble fine. Like it's not his dribbling isn't really an issue. Like you can see, but he has he, tunnel vision. He yeah. has tunnel vision, and so like Tari Eason has tunnel vision. He can <laughs> yes. handle the ball, you know, pretty well for for a guy his size. But he just can't make those those passes because he doesn't see them. And see, yeah. that's the thing that Amin brings. And, and I feel like um, we aren't a great transition offensive team right now. And I think that. If Amon Thompson can ever get up to speed, then I think he unlocks another another aspect. He unlocks another dimension to like this team that we haven't seen yet. Just because he will get you out in that fast break, he will find an open guy. Like I was looking, I watched a lot of his uh, his uh, tape um, like last week because I was just kind of looking at like some highlights for him. I was thinking about putting together like a little highlight reel. And one thing that I noticed, like he always is looking up the court. He's always he he doesn't have to get the rebound and dribble the ball up the court to find somebody. He's yeah. gonna grab the rebound and he looks up the court immediately and he'll he'll throw it ahead if he sees somebody running the court. And we don't have we don't have a lot of guys that see guys running in transition. <laughs> and so yeah, that's true. That's that's something else that I think that he'll bring to the team. So like I'm really excited about Amin coming back. Like he went down there and immediately got like a ridiculous triple double. Um and like you said, he's positionless. He can play the one, two, three, uh, maybe even small ball four, depending on who you know who we're who we're matched up against. Yeah. So you you can you just have so much like versatility with him in the offense, and he can do so many different things. Like coming in, like his weakness was shooting, and I think Ben Sullivan has been working on him a lot with his shot. It looks it looks much improved. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to be a staple of uh, what he's doing right now, but like at least I think he might be to the point where. Uh, you might have to at least respect him a little bit, you know, and, and that's all you need. Like if he ever gets like any kind of like respectable uh, level of a jump shot, I think all the other stuff is going to make him like a really, really good player. Yeah, exactly. And uh, one other thing I want to talk about before we wrap up the show, of course, the Rockets next game will be Monday against 
a Spurs team that has now lost 16 straight games. Yes, you heard that right, 16 straight games. And they will be facing up, coming to Houston this time. Uh, seems like the Rockets have been playing San Antonio, uh, in San Antonio pretty much every single game since preseason. But they are coming to Houston on Monday. So I want to talk quickly a little bit about that game. I also want to ask you, chances that Dylan Brooks get a, gets a technical guard in uh, Wimbyama on Monday. And also, kind of, what's your thoughts on the, the upcoming game against the Spurs? We cannot lose that game. That's really yeah. that's my only thought. Like, cause we got a, we got like a little like beef going on with the Spurs <laughs> fan base, and yeah. uh, a lot of it has to do with the. Well, I would say pretty much all of it has to do with the fact that Wimbyama pretty much made it very clear that he did not want to come into Houston Rockets, and that's fine. Yeah. That's fine, but he has to he has to live with the consequences of his bad decision. <laughs> because like he didn't want to come to a losing franchise I, I get it he probably wanted to go play for the Spurs because which know, is a losing franchise at this point yeah who's a losing franchise but he wanted to go play for the Spurs because of the you know the Tony Parker connection or whatever the France connection but like he made the wrong choice and I'm gonna say this could you imagine because we we only got four games of Amon Thompson and he was playing sporadically yeah could you imagine this team as it is with Victor Wimbyama. And people were really concerned about Victor. Hey, can Wimbyama play with Alperen Shangoon? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think we, if he's playing with Collins, who is like not even half the player that Alperen Shangoon is, yeah, you can just imagine how it would be with him and Shangoon. But he wanted to pick, he wanted to go to the Spurs, even though I don't know why. Tony Parker's not playing. In the NBA, in the NBA, in the NBA <laughs> wanted him to go there. NBA, I, I think it was rigged. I'm, I'm not going to speak too much, but like, I don't think that that was a coincidence. And the fact that, like, if you look at the Houston Rockets roster right now, you plug Wimbayama into a into a into a lineup with Alfred Shingoon and Dylan Brooks, Fred VanVleet, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr. coming off the bench, Tari Eason coming off the bench. That is a threat. That is a huge threat. That is a that's a playoff team. That's a team that like suddenly has probably one of the brightest futures in the NBA. And so, like, he, he, you know, he made a bad choice. And he's going to find out on Monday that, like, he wanted to go over there and play with, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy Snow Cone and um, – <laughs> The guy that doesn't pass on the ball? <laughs> yeah, the guy don't pass on the ball. And he want to go play with John Collins and, uh, you know – The guy like, that Shane Goon dunks on all the time. I don't even, yeah, I don't even know. The, I don't, their roster is so bad. I don't even – I know probably, like, five dudes but, killed in Johnson. Malik Brandom, Branham, um, yeah, some you know other I mean? like, they, they have some okay players on their team, but they, the Rockets have a better core. And had he came here, he could have been part of something special. But it's okay. We ride him with Amon. Amon hasn't hasn't ramped up yet. Yeah. Um. I think Amon eventually has all star potential, and I think that like he he brings uh he brings something to the team that they don't currently have from the guard position. Like we want Jalen Green. Like the the vision for me. Amon Thompson is your is your jumbo playmaker. He's out there. He's setting everybody up. He's you know he's a triple double threat every night. Jalen Green is your alpha scorer. Alfred Shingoon is kind of your do everything guy. Uh, wow. Jabari Smith Jr. You know like he's out there getting buckets, damn people up. You know we we starting to see. And speaking of, you were talking about earlier how like we write guys off too soon. We like Jabari Smith Jr. got written off by a lot of people. And he's been hooping ever since multiple, that San Antonio game. Multiple times they've written him off. <laughs> and, and, and the fact of the matter is, you like you, you're talking about a guy who was a teenager for the duration of his rookie season. He was a yep. teenager, you know. Like, and, and I would tell people, like, no, was I impressed with how he played? No, 
should we write him off, you know, when he's 19 years old? No, like the dude has a lot. Like you see flashes, you see some of the things that he's able to do. You know, he hasn't grown into his body yet. He doesn't know what he's doing. And and like he's a lot better now. But like yeah. this, this team is going to be good. And, and I'm just glad, like I said earlier, I'm just thankful that we got a coach in here who can kind of like uh, take the ingredients and, and make the gumbo. Yeah, I mean, you really realize, like, when I'm talking to these guys, you realize really how young they are. Because when you're watching them on TV, they just, yeah, they're basketball players. But, like, when you're right in front of them, I mean, these people, they, they, like, some of them can't even go to a club. That's how young right. they are. I mean, <laughs> these people, these, these players are really, really young, and you expect them to just come in and just be these great players right off the top. But nowadays, players, they play maybe one year in college. Some don't even play college at all. So they're getting a lot of their learning experience on the job in the NBA. And imagine how hard that is. If you just imagine you going to your job and they expect you to be the best person there day one. And that's how it is with NBA players. People expect them to be the best player on the team day one. And imagine you're doing this at the highest level and you're 19, 20 years old. I can't imagine that when I was 19, 20 years old going to some high level job. And I got to be the best person there. That's just that's just hard for me to, to imagine that that's a possibility. And people need to realize that with young players, especially with Jabari. Jabari is the perfect type of player that you want in a, on a winning team. He's not the player that's going to be on a losing team putting up 30 points a game. That's just not his game. But on a winning team, a team that has something to play for, he's the perfect complimentary player that you want on your team. And I think people are going to start to see that now that the Rockets are starting to win. And let's be honest, starting to win and actually have a chance to make the playoffs, not to play in, but to play off something that I think most people had no, no thoughts of the Rockets being a top eight seed coming into the season. You're going to really start to see that he's going to be the type of player that you want on a team that's actually trying to win and not just going out there tanking every night. And LaShard, a lot of our guys got like this horrible reputation around yeah. the NBA, you know, media fans over the past uh, few seasons because like these guys were all said oh this you can't win with this guy he's not a winning yeah. basketball player because they went into situations that were not conducive for winning so like if we're being objective if we're objectively speaking is Victor Wimbenyaba not a winning basketball player because they lost 16 games in a row because yeah. that's the kind of thing that you were saying to me about Jabari Smith Jr. and the kind of things you were saying to me about Jalen Green and Alperen Shingun. So is Victor Wimbenyama a losing basketball player? Is Kay Cunningham, who's now lost 19 games in a row, is he a losing basketball player? Like, make it make sense. Mm -hmm. Y'all tell me <laughs> which one is it? Because, yeah. you know, coming into the season, I heard, you know, Vic Kay Cunningham is a generational point guard. Um, you know, he's a guy who you can build. He he's he's like a guy who's gonna be like a James Harden or a, or a Luka Doncic moving forward. I heard that Victor Wembanyama was uh going to be like the next you know great player in the NBA. And and I'm not saying that none of these things are going to eventually happen, but like I'm I'm just using this in the context of the guys who are on the Houston Rockets because you know. We were told over and over through through media outlets that this situation in Houston was was horrible and basically uh -huh. unsalvageable, and yep. these guys were not good basketball players, and you couldn't win with them, and they they need to blow it up, and they made the wrong picks, and you know all of this kind of stuff. And I don't hear they're not keeping the same energy for Kay Cunningham and Victor Wembanyama. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you probably won't hear just because the Rockets. It, it kind of goes all the way back to. 
a lot of the media probably didn't like Daryl Moore, didn't like James Harden. So it's kind of carried over over the years. And then it didn't help when you've been the worst franchise probably the last two or three seasons running. Um, so now Victor Wimbiama, they've lost 16 in a row. And I maybe because I don't follow the Spurs, but I haven't really seen a lot of that. Just like you said, I haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah, Victor Wimbiama putting up these numbers, but boy, he sure doesn't know how to uh, – Help them win games. I really haven't seen a lot of that. It's been mainly like, oh, Victor Wimbayama's great, and the rest of the team mm-hmm. sucks because they're not getting him the ball. <laughs> That's pretty, I even think people complain more about Pop than they have Victor Wimbayama. And like you said, Victor Wimbayama's going to be great. I mean, he's going to be one of the best players oh, in yeah. the league Absolutely. in a couple of seasons. So don't get me wrong, but it's definitely not the same talk that we saw from the Rockets about the Rockets the last couple of seasons. I mean, every other article I even seen some. Just earlier this year, talking about Jalen Green a bust, even mm-hmm. with the Rockets winning. So it's definitely a, def- a different narrative when it comes to other players outside of Houston. And I don't think it's just, well, Houston people just being sensitive. It's a real thing that a lot of the media just does not like the Rockets because they didn't like the style of play. They didn't like James Harden. And that's just carried over to now. They don't like Jalen Green, his style of play. And then the whole thing with the guy that we will not name situation that really didn't help the Rockets' reputation either. So it's just been a bunch of different things that there's reason why a lot of these media people still don't like the Rockets, even though some of them are still coming around. Um, Bill Simmons, for instance, even gave the Rockets some credit, which only reason I know that because I saw it on my timeline. I don't actually listen to that he has to say, but it's starting to slowly change. And I think that it has a lot to do with them bringing in veterans like uh, Fred Van Vliet. I can't necessarily say Dylan Brooks because a lot of people hated Dylan Brooks before he got here. And they thought that the Rockets were insane for giving him a $20 million deal. Again, we haven't even talked about how great he's been this season. Right. He's actually been the Rockets' best shooter this season, something that nobody thought was possible coming into this season. So it's been a lot of narratives have been changed this year when it comes to the Rockets. And I think that if they continue to win, getting that first road win was huge. So now people can stop talking about yeah, the Rockets are good, but they haven't won on the road. Now they can't say that anymore. The Rockets finally moved on from that. So, like you said, they can't lose to San Antonio Monday because it would be a bloodbath on Twitter if the Rockets mm-hmm. lose to the Spurs on Monday. Even with all the great things that they've done so far this season, they they definitely have to win that game for a lot of different reasons. So, we'll see how all that plays out. Um, I'll be out the game Monday, so, of course, we'll have coverage up here on our YouTube page. And we continue to appreciate all the support that we've gotten. We're up to 988 subscribers. We're almost at the 1,000 mark that we were shooting for before the end of the year. So we appreciate the support when it comes to that. Uh, but before we wrap up the show, I just wanted to say also say thank you to my co-host, Vader, for jumping on. It's been a while. We've got a lot of stuff going on, trying to get the schedule together so we can do this podcast. So I definitely appreciate you jumping on the show. And I want to thank you because, like, every time I look on Twitter or I look on YouTube, you always have, like, a short video or you have, like, an interview or, you know, with with the player or with uh, Yadoka or somebody like that. And I think the, the content, like, the content that you're putting on the YouTube channel this, this season is just phenomenal. Um, and I think people really need to tap into that because, like, it's it's a lot of, like, exclusive stuff that you're not going to find in very many other places. There's only like a, a handful of other guys that are putting out the the level of content that you're putting out. And so, um, yeah, like the, it's, it's up to 988, which is, which is really good considering that the channel isn't very old, but Hey, I, I think, you know, like I, I'm, 
I'm ambitious. I think by the end of uh, this season, it could be up to almost 2000 because of, just because of the level of uh, stuff that you're putting out. And then also just the fact that the Rockets are actually a good basketball team now, which we haven't had. <laughs> we haven't had in the past two seasons. So like that's yeah. the there right away. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing is that we're actually talking about winning basketball because I don't know about you, but I got tired of getting on podcasts every week talking about, yeah, the Rockets lost by 30, but hey, at least Jalen Green had 35 mm-hmm. points and he had a highlight dunk. So, I mean, at some point you get tired of talking about that. Yeah, talk about Brad Smith made a layup. He got a- <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that jumper by Brad Smith? Like, I mean, yeah, come on. They, yeah. They're down by 40. Nobody really cares. So, yeah, it's good that the Rockets are finally winning with some winning basketball. It makes it a hell of a lot easier to talk about this team when they're actually winning. So hopefully they continue that, and especially hopefully they continue that Monday because that's going to be a huge game. You know, not that necessarily that the Spurs are any good because they are a horrible team. Let's just be honest. But when it comes down to a rivalry, you know, we know that Rockets, Spurs, Rockets, Mavs. Those are the games that you want to win. It doesn't matter what the record is. So we'll see how that plays out Monday. And like Vader said, we appreciate the support. We definitely are are pushing for 2,000 by the end of the season, definitely 1,000 hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And we appreciate the support. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. If you hit that like button and, that's just, and you know, top of the channel, that helps us out. That helps the YouTube algorithm actually put us out there so you can see our videos. And see uh, uh, the interviews that we're putting up on the channel and all the exclusive stuff. We'll have more exclusive items coming out next week that I can't even talk about. But definitely make sure you check it out because that's going to be a really interesting uh, development that's happening next week with the Rockets. So definitely make sure you check out the channel. And like I said, if you haven't hit that subscription, make sure you do that now. And make sure you check out the next episode of the Rockets Fuel Podcast. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.